Make an impact on your interactive marketing through performance, advertising, community outreach, and technology. Be captivated by the people who are leading the wave of change in the online marketplace. This is who AdTech is. Your weekly radio show. Get behind the scenes with industry giants. Be privy to the insider track. Witness the newest technologies. Make sure you're in the scene each week with AdTech Connect. You're connected now with your host. Hi there. Good morning. Welcome to AdTech Connect on Webmaster Radio FM. I'm your host today, Daisy Whitney. I'm a writer with Television Week and Advertising Age magazine, so I'm very interested in this topic. Thank you for joining us this morning. So we've got a great lineup today. We've got David Downey, Downey from Invidi Technologies. Then we're going to go to Diane Acevedo from On Value, and then we'll fi- finish up with Nick Nyhan from Dynamic Logic. We'll talk to each of them, learn a little bit more about their businesses, hear what they're thinking, and get some great advice about what you need to be thinking about as well as you're interested in interactive marketing. We're going to start first with David. Hi, David. I, how are you? I'm great, Daisy. How are you? Good. I'm very excited that David is one of our guests because he's going to be on my panel in November at uh, AdTech in New York. We're doing the Television 2.0 panel there. And I've talked with David for a couple of stories in the past. So what I want you to do first is I know that NVIDIA uh, has kind of been a quiet company for a while. So I don't know if all of our listeners know that much about you. Give people a brief overview of what you do, and then we'll chat some more, and I'll ask you some questions. Sure. Uh, NVIDIA is a company that develops uh, a software for advanced television applications. Uh, and the most uh, important development that we're working on uh, and commercializing today is the ability to uh, provide addressable television advertising software, which will enable multiple television commercials to run during a single commercial break. So in the current environment, uh, when you go to a commercial, obviously uh, uh, most people receive the same commercial, and in the future, uh, commercials will be tailored to the individual viewer, and uh, there will be multiple choices of commercials uh, run at any commercial break. So, David, give me an example. I mean, you, you would know, what would you know about me, that I'm, I'm 33, I live in Northern California, and you could target something to me, for instance, and then you could target something different to the guy down the road who's 53 and rides a bike to work? Well, uh, frankly, we could uh, target commercials right within your own, within your own home. So if it wow. uh, so happens that you were... My kids would get a different one. You were watching a television program upstairs, and uh, uh, someone else in your own home was watching that same television program downstairs. Based upon your age, gender, income, geographic location, and ethnic uh, background, uh, commercials would be tailored to the individual viewer on each and every set. So how is it that you know all this, and what sort of privacy issues uh, do you run into, and and, how can you reassure folks that... You're obviously concerned about that and, and doing the best you can to protect their privacy. Sure. Well, the interesting thing that I find uh, on this whole subject of privacy is that um, I know when I'm driving down the streets of neighborhoods, I don't see people sitting out in front of their mailboxes with a shotgun in their hand. Um, <laughs> Thank but, God. Never, but nevertheless, each and every house gets a, a different complement of mail uh, from advertisers based on pretty much the same criteria that uh, uh, we'll be able to send television commercials. So. As you know, there's vast pools of information that are out there that credit card companies and other agencies have pulled together for the express purpose of targeting advertising. 
our system takes it takes that type of information and uses it in a uh, anonymous format so that we really never close the loop uh, and associate uh, the commercials which are actually being sent to you with you as an individual, but more importantly, send commercials based upon what group or what aggregate classification you fall into. So very much the same way. I mean, how how would you foresee that advertisers want to break us consumers all down? Well, advertisers do this exactly today. If you look at the way that uh, advertisers use information from Nielsen, for example, uh, we've often heard about the the, the elusive audience of men 18 to 34 years old. Uh, Advertising on television is bought and sold on a demo basis as we stand right here today. The only difference is, is if you're Lexus and you're looking for an upscale male, you may buy a commercial on a Sunday golf tournament, and you pay for the entire commercial when, in fact, only 7% of the audience can actually go out and buy that Lexus car. So do you want to do you do you aim to break the demo down further than men eighteen to thirty four, for instance, or is it that you just want to or is it that you provide technology to ensure that you're just reaching men eighteen to thirty four or just reaching women eighteen to thirty four, for instance? Well our our technology does a variety of things. First of all, it does in fact uh uh base the model on impressions. So we commoditize television so that you in fact get what you pay for, which is a novel concept. Um, it is indeed. You, you in fact, uh, want to reach, uh, let's say, uh, uh, 10,000 uh, men that are 18 to 34 years old over a two-week period of time, and you want each of them to receive your commercial three times, you'll be able to control each of those, th- each of those factors. In today's environment, if you're interested in reaching someone, say, for example, 10 times over uh, a, a four-week period of time, uh, the way the system works today is if you reach one house uh, 19 times and another house one time, uh, that's an average of 10, and that would be considered a, an absolutely perfect buy. Uh, the house who saw the commercial 19 times is probably seriously annoyed mm-hmm. by seeing the same spot, and the person who saw it one time absolutely has no uh, uh, no ability to recall the spot, and it was a complete uh, it was a complete waste of expenditure. So does that mean you don't? You don't duplicate or you look for just the right amount of exposure? No, the advertisers will actually have the ability in the not-too-distant future to buy the precise audience demographic they want based on a series of business rules, age, income, geography, etc. And they will also then be able to have some other controls, such as the frequency. So if the ad is to be seen, if, if the advertiser would like one of their uh, one of the one of the consumers to see an ad ten times, that's exactly mm-hmm. how many times they'll see it. They won't see it nine. They won't see it eleven. They'll see it ten times, and then the other lever that they'll be able to control is separation, so that they may say that I want the ad to appear to this demo group this many times, but I never want the consumer to see the ad more than once every six hours. And can they also can they specify as they do traditionally? We don't want it to appear next to these other type of ads or next to ads of our competitors. I mean, can they really break down precisely where it's going to be placed as well? Well, uh, it's actually uh, we've de- we're in the process of developing some additional enhancements that will enable you to incorporate some keyword search components so that, let's say, for example, you were looking to purchase advertising associated with men 18 to 34 years old, and a likely place that you would find those advertisers would be on uh, ESPN. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. However, it turns out that Budweiser, who might be the advertiser in this case, uh, who's interested in reaching that audience, uh, may not want to reach them if, in fact, it turns out that they're doing a program on um, alcoholism in professional sports. Uh, or if Miller is sponsoring a show. And, right, and so mm-hmm. they'll be able to go and put in keyword search that will enable them to not only target the ad, but include it or exclude it in programming based on the program descriptor. So we've heard a lot. I mean, there's been a lot of stories written about addressable technology. It's certainly been talked a lot at conferences, ad tech, and others. Is it really here? I mean, is the technology fully baked? So I guess my question to you is, are you ready with this? And give us a sense of the time frame of when this will be deployed. Well, to your first point, which I get a kick out of, um, uh, is the, the concept of addressable advertising and that, it's been written about and talked about, and and, uh, uh, and 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 so many companies try to wrap themselves in the blanket, if you would, of, of addressability. There are a lot uh, of folks, who are, yeah, who are saying they're in the same business. And, and in fact, the, the fact of the matter is, is that that's not true. And I was on a panel here in New York at Ad Week this week, and and. Uh, uh, someone representing the broadcast industry and said that, you know, we've had addressability for 40 years, the ability to address a commercial to a specific program. And I, I But that's of, not really addressability as we're talking about it today. It's not at all. And, and so the thing that I'm here to tell you that when you're talking to NVIDI, uh, from an intellectual property perspective as well as from a technology perspective, we truly are addressability. We truly have the capability of serving multiple television commercials based upon uh, the, the, the likes and dislikes of the end user. And as far as it's, uh, the technology, uh, is it fully baked and is it, uh, is it working, uh, all I have to do is walk down the hall and uh, watch it happen. So when you say addressable, just just so we're clear, you mean one to one. Well, one to one or one to many. Remember, mm-hmm. uh, where we're defaulting to is 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 clusters of like viewers. What I want to go back to, David, is is talking about the here and now and what's what's to come with Nvidia. I mean, you say that uh, you can walk down the hall and and you can see this up and running. And that's good. Is it in the marketplace yet? And if not, when will it be? When will consumers start to see ads being delivered to them on a more tailored basis? Uh, actually, within a few months. Uh, we are in the final phase of testing with uh, a couple of the large uh, multiple system cable operators, and uh, uh, we're going to be out in the field here uh, probably in about uh, two to six months on both Scientific Atlanta and Motorola platform cable systems. Do you, does that, now who does the deals with the advertisers? Is that something that the cable operator goes out and, and does? I mean, do you have relationships with them as well? Uh, well, the cable operators, uh, for the most part, uh, um, you know, have the infrastructure and, and existing ad sales businesses uh, that, that will do the interface with the advertisers. Um, we do have a, um, an advertiser advisory board that's comprised of uh, David Verklin and Burt Manning, uh, Rick Servitis, Michael Kubin, and others. Uh, so we're pretty well rese- represented on Madison Avenue. Right, you guys have some heavy hitters on board, that's sure. for sure. Uh, and uh, to that end, uh, um, we, we also have some uh, people on our actual board of directors with significant co- uh, contacts as well. So uh, we, we may bring some advertisers to the to the party, but, uh, uh, but most it would of be that part activity... Of it, what you're saying would be part of the... Uh, the, 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 the 
toolbox that the local cable ad sales folks have at their disposal in the same way that they can sell other types of interactive TV media like video on demand and in some cases uh, interactive ads as with overlays. They can also say, you know, we can make sure that this is tailored to specifically the consumers you're trying to reach. Sure. We're agnostic as to whether or not the targeted ad is run on a DVR, on VOD, on linear or nonlinear television. So our, our product was designed to work on all of those platforms simultaneously, and that's a real advantage for the cable operator. They can sell a, a unified uh, advertising package across all the various technologies and, and just use our software to deliver the service across those. Now, I know this is your business, so obviously you're invested in it and clearly you have, I mean, you like it, you have a bias towards it to some degree, but is all advertising going to be addressable? Is that the end game? I mean, does everything become addressable or is there still value to the broad reach? Well, I mean, certainly uh, uh, there is value to, uh, to brands to continue to try to reach all the consumers that are out there that are interested in their products. But I do think that even the big brands um, will, will, will use addressability to their, their benefit as well. To give you an example, let's you know, say, for example, that Pepsi wants to run a commercial um, and they want to buy the entire break on a, on a major show. Actually, let's use Coca-Cola and American Idol. I think that's an actual match. David, we're uh, going to need to wrap up pretty soon, so let's sure. just do a quick example with this. And then the, we'll, the example we'll go to is break. really simple. That uh, Why not use multiple creatives? Uh, why not tailor the creative? Even though you're buying the whole break, you can change the creative based upon the audience that you're trying to reach. That makes a lot of sense. I like that. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you in New York. We've got David Downey here with NVIDIA Technologies. Thanks for your time, David. Have a great day. Be good, Daisy. Take care. Thank we'll you. Go to commercial now. Do you sell a product or service with monster potential in the online market? Then attack the opportunity to turn your dreams into reality. Equipped with flexible e-commerce software from MonsterCommerce.com. You'll possess complete control of your store, including your storefront's design, maintenance of your products, and management of your online orders. And all with the technical support and service. Available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Grow your business today with MonsterCommerce.com. A rose by any other name would still be the same. Move over, Shakespeare. You need to differentiate yourself from your competition. Do it by aligning yourself with a company who has earned the trust of Jupiter Media, the NHL, and Lionsgate Films, among others. Moniker.com is the most secure ICANN-accredited register on the planet, offering you domain registration, hosting, domain sales, and acquisition services. Wrap that up with 24-7 support. That's your winning combination. M-O-N-I-K-E-R. More than a name. The innovative services of Load.com help you easily maximize your business and bottom line. Since 1999, Load.com has offered premium web applications and business solutions for companies worldwide. Set up business and private mailboxes. Track marketing and website traffic. And assure a professional design for your website with Load's email, web stats, and DNS services. Save time. Save money. Load is your reliable source for professional web applications and business solutions. Visit Load.com. That's L-O-A-D dot com and get loaded today. Now back to You're connected now with your host. We're back with Ad Tech Connect on Webmaster Radio FM. I'm your host, Daisy Whitney. We're going into our second guest now. We have Diane Acevedo with On Value joining us. Hi, Diane. How are you? Hi, good morning. Good to talk to you. 
Now, I have to confess, Diana and I chatted for a few minutes in advance, uh, and, I, and I warned her that I, I frankly don't know a heck of a lot about her business. So I'll be learning about it uh, as we speak live right now, but she's going to be gentle with me, I hope. So, Diane, I traditionally cover television, new media, emerging media. When I look over your bio, your focus is on value-based pricing, marketing. Give us a brief overview. What exactly does that mean, practically speaking? Great question. Value-based pricing is the focus of establishing a strategic and proactive pricing strategy that's based on a company's value that they deliver to their customers. And what that really means is that every company delivers value in terms of increasing their customer's bottom line through increased revenues or decreased costs. And so the ability to analyze and measure that value provides the foundation to price to capture a fair share of the value. In addition, uh, it really helps to communicate the value to customers and educate them on the value so that you can convince them to pay the price that you've, that you've set. Okay, so gi- give me a, spe- a specific example, either with clients that you've worked with or a hypothetical example using a marketer we've all heard of, for instance, how, how this, uh, this thinking works for instance. Okay, for example, uh, there was uh, one client in the chemicals market, and they were, they were setting their price on a premium basis, and they were really the, 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 the pricing leaders in their market. And what, what they were facing was internal uh, sales pressure to reduce pricing for their customers. And they were worried that they were going to be losing their customers because customers were telling this particular company that they were no different from other vendors in the marketplace, so and, they therefore were like, they, and therefore, why should they pay a premium? And so in, in working with them to uncover the value that they delivered, and it turned out that they had a commodity component of their offering to their customers, and, but they also created a bunch of value-added services that really enabled the customer to generate additional revenue opportunities, and, and so that... To justify uh, the premium. Excuse me, exactly. It justified their premium, but, and it also, in this particular work, uh, it turned out that um, sales now were educated on that value and then can have a very uh, compelling argument with a customer to say, to convince them that there was incremental value delivered, that they did uh, help them not only achieve additional goals for their business by by helping them make more money, uh, but the price that they were setting and uh, was significantly lower than that, all that value. So is that your job to go in there, to talk to different customers, to analyze what their pricing strategy and structure is, and, and to let them know how best in turn to communicate the why behind that to their potential customers? Absolutely. That's exactly what I do. I do uh, training for companies uh, to do that so that they learn those uh, and build those internal capabilities to do it themselves. And I also work with them to show how each particular functional area that has a contact point to the customer is really an opportunity to gather that data on competition, on their customers' value, and, and utilize that to make better pricing decisions as well as better market their value to, to their customers. Okay, so since we're ad tech, let's link that back into marketing and 
into interactive marketing as well. How does the work that you do then translate into a marketing strategy? Okay. Um, once, once a company, once a company understands how their customers make money and their ability to influence their, the customer's ability to make even more money based on what they buy from, from, um, from the company in terms of products and services, then they can translate that information into creating compelling value propositions that are very specific to different groups of customers that they serve and use the customer language now to really identify with the customer and really uh, get them to, to acknowledge the value and really understand how, how it relates to them. And that uh, information really is used uh, for website uh, material, uh, content, uh, as well as um, it could be, you know, email uh, mailings, uh, direct mail, uh, it could, but now, now you've got a very targeted message. You're, you're standing out from all the noise in the marketplace. Um, a lot of companies have a very generic value message out there, and it gets lost because it doesn't resonate with a customer specifically about their business. Now, and Jen, so, let me ask you a question. Are you, are you able to talk about specific customers that you've worked with? Uh, I'm on, on under confidentiality. However, I mean, I could give you some, some examples and, and give you some industries. Yeah, give me some examples or, 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 you know, at least give us a sense of what, what category they were in, for instance. I mean, if you've presented case studies, just, just, you know, kind of think about the best example that demonstrates how some of the work you did then translated into a marketing win for one of your customers. Okay. Absolutely. Um, uh, let me just lead, let me just lead from that other, um, client, the chemical, uh, company that I mentioned. Okay. Um, they were able to, once, once they, once we were, once we captured uh, the knowledge of the value deliver and quantify that and made it very tangible in dollars and cents, now when customers now in terms of positioning, they were able to position the commodity against the commodity against another vendor, and the other value added services they were able to put a price tag on those where they didn't have before. And some of the things that they were giving away to close the sale, they were able to price and now realize incremental revenue for them, as well as deliver and communicate value to their customers and educate them. And so what that translated into was um, a lot of uh, training material that was delivered for the sales force, um, and it allowed them to, in one particular sale, um, allow them to capture an extra $2 million. Not bad. Uh, from one customer. And, and again, they revamped uh, a lot of their uh, other marketing communications, uh, as I mentioned, the website, uh, their direct marketing brochures, et cetera, uh, to the marketplace because now they had very, very focused messages for each of the segments that they served. But Dan, something that I'm curious about, and this is partly because, as I said at the beginning, I traditionally haven't covered pricing strategies and the sort of work that you do. I'm kind of curious how you do your marketing. How do you get the word out about what you do. I mean, clearly there are opportunities, just exposure through things like this and, and the ad tech conferences and whatnot. But how are you out there letting customers, potential customers, know that they should be thinking about their pricing strategies and that you can come on board and help them understand how to navigate that area and fine-tune them and turn that into a marketing message as well? Very good. Um, and uh, one, uh, my, 
I should probably uh, mention that I've I've launched my business this year, and so I'm in the process. Of, uh, thank you. I'm in the process of uh, building my website. I'm also in the process of uh, getting a newsletter out uh, to uh, folks, uh, as well as um, I've been doing a lot of speaking. Uh, and you want to put in a plug for your website? Is it, ready to, is it up and running, or are you still building it? Uh, I'm still building this, okay. and uh, but my previous experience comes from working with a boutique company back on the East Coast on value-based pricing strategy. And so my previous experience comes from working with primarily Fortune 500 companies, and um, stepping out of that and off on my own, I realized that they're small to medium-sized companies who need the same level of uh, information, processes, tools, and these capabilities in-house to be able to compete more effectively in the marketplace. And so that's where I'm, that's where I'm uh, focusing on. Uh, question for you. There's clearly a lot of talk these days about advertising and its effectiveness. So we're going to talk a lot about this as well in the next segment with Nick because that's one of his areas. But Association of National Advertisers Conference is coming up next weekend. I mean, they're looking at issues of accountability. I mean, everybody in the industry is trying to figure out with all this noise, I and mean, with so much media consumption out there, how do you break through? Talk to us a little bit about that, about the challenge for companies to break through the advertising noise. What do they need to do for their marketing message to be heard? Uh, one, there needs to be a credible knowledge of their customer's business. That is, that's fundamental, because only when you understand that can you best then understand how you impact their business and communicate in terms that, that they understand, they agree with, and that, they, that are palatable. Uh, and then thirdly, um, they need to work with their customers in partnership to develop um, the messages that will resonate within other customers within each of these uh, segments, if you will, and, and really work with them to understand what is it, what other types of, of mediums do they utilize uh, more than others and, and where would they like to see some of these messages and, and if they could make some recommendations uh, for, um, for those mediums uh, and the messages to go out uh, so that their peers see those and acknowledge them, um, that's, that's another opportunity. And then fourthly, I'm just getting out and talking to different trade associations and getting in front of these people and really standing out and, and showing your knowledge of how you are different from the competition and, and how that difference really means something for these customers and that they would be foolish not to do business with you uh, rather than other vendors in the marketplace because you've got that fundamental knowledge of how you impact their ability to make more money and save time and, 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 and you do so better than, than other groups. We're going to work towards wrapping this up. I want to ask you one more, one more quick question for you to answer in 10, 15 seconds. How can advertising be more strategic? Um, it needs to be much more focused, much more targeted to the different um, segment groups. It needs, to, it needs to go beyond talking about the features, the features of a product, the features of a service. It needs to really drive towards understanding how those particular features and, and characteristics of products and services benefit the customer and also drive value into the customer. And, again, knowing customer's business model will get them there. Thanks generally. so much for coming on. Thank you so much. I think we're going to head into a commercial break right now, and then we'll be right back with Nick from Dynamic Logic. Wonderful. 
innovative services of Load.com help you easily maximize your business and bottom line. Since 1999, Load.com has offered premium web applications and business solutions for companies worldwide. Set up business and private mailboxes. Track marketing and website traffic. And assure a professional design for your website with Load's email, web stats, and DNS services. Save time. Save money. Load is your reliable source for professional web applications and business solutions. Visit Load.com. That's L-O-A-D.com and get loaded today. Announcing Ecom Expo. Ecom Expo, the first virtual trade show for e-commerce marketers. Just $19.95 gets you access to this must-attend event with over 100 presentations and 130 exhibitors starting October 6th. Presenters include Seth Godin, Kevin Lee, Sean Collins, Frederick Marchini, Andy Peel, John Patel, and dozens more. Google, Yahoo, Commission Junction, LinkShare, Performix, and 3,000 e-commerce marketers will be there. So don't miss out. Register now. Register now for this 100% online event at ecomexpo.com. That's E-C-O-M-X-P-O.com. Ecomexpo.com. So they got pretty good food here, huh? Uh -huh. Listen, I just got a new check from a program I joined. Oh, yeah? What effective CPM are they paying you? Pass the salt. Not sure. They just send me a check, not a detailed breakout. Are you joking? No. There's lots of ways to make money, but you need to be the master of your own destiny. With ValueClick Media, I instantly adopted a national sales force that delivers recognizable ads with high CPM payouts. Mm. Plus, their new interface lets me control the ads I want to run and mm. tells me how much I earn from each advertiser. Wow. Doesn't that sound better? Pass the pepper. Wow. Thanks for the tip. I'm going to give ValueClick Media a try. Join the ad network publishers trust most. Apply today at ValueClickMedia.com. Now back to You're connected now with your host. Welcome back to Ad Tech Connect on Webmaster Radio FM. I'm your host, Daisy Whitney. This is our final segment of this morning. We're going to be joined by Nick of Dynamic Logic. I keep saying Nick and not your last name because I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. So, Nick, I'll let you do it. Nick Nyan, N-Y-H-A-N. All right, so I was on the money then before. I have to, uh, I have to confess right now that my, my broadband connection isn't working, so if my producer is trying to instant message me, I, I don't know what you're telling me, but I'm gonna, we're going to talk with Nick for about 15 minutes and we'll wrap up on the hour. Nick, I'm glad you're here with us today. You're Thank with you. Dynamic Logic, and tell us a little bit about what you do. What I know from looking at your bio, reading up about you, is you measure marketing effectiveness. What does that mean? Dynamic Logic is a independent research company, and we get hired to measure the effectiveness of primarily advertising campaigns. Sometimes it's website sponsorships, but it's primarily advertising campaigns that are running both online as well as offline, and the advertiser or the agency or many times the publisher wants a third party like us to show the advertiser what was the impact of the advertising on the brand? Meaning, did the people who were exposed to the ad, do they think or feel differently about the brand as a result of exposure? And there are standard brand metrics that we use, which have existed before the Internet. They were give, us, give us a couple examples. What do you mean when you say brand metrics? Brand metrics um, are things like brand awareness. If, if I ask you to name three luxury sedans, what are the three brands that pop into your mind? Maybe I'm not Lexus, a car person. I guess I would just say Lexus is the only one I can think of off the top of my okay. head. So Lexus obviously has spent a lot of advertising to put that at the top of your list. 
Acura, BMW, Mercedes, even Volkswagen, they want to be in that top of mind with you, but uh, it's a game for mind share. So brand awareness is one thing, and, and that was an example of what we call unaided brand awareness. Aided brand awareness would be if I said, have you heard of Lexus, and you would say yes. There's message association, you know, which coffee is good to the last drop. Um, just Back to the house. Right. Okay, so that's message association. Then there's brand favorability. We've all heard of Enron. doesn't mean we have a high favorability towards the company. True. And then there's purchase or behavior intent. You know, if you were in the market, which brands would you consider? And those are the primary ones. And, and those are traditional brand metrics which have been used in offline advertising for years, and we just brought them to the online space. And that helps so is, measure is that across your focus? Your, is your focus purely on online, on measuring ad effectiveness online? No, it's cross-media. We just okay. we started measuring online because we were finding that that was where the real pain was because when we started the company six years ago, online was really only being measured by clicks, and it looked like 99% of the advertising was wasted because most of it's not clicked on. And so what we did was show that an, an ad that is seen but not necessarily clicked on can still have marketing value. Now, Nick, can you, are, are, I asked this question of Diane in, in the segment before, but are you able to talk about specific customers you've worked with? I mean, can you go through some examples, for instance, of uh, studies that you've done where you've measured effectiveness and, and, and talk about a couple of specific examples so we can get a sense of how this works? Yeah, um, well, I I don't have... I don't have any pre-approval to talk about specific clients, but it's really very uniform across the okay. board. So, for example, a television program, let's say... Uh, yeah, give us a hypothetical. A hypothetical is, uh, or let's use a movie release. So okay. there's about to be a new movie release. They are launching advertising on, on billboards, on television, on radio, and on online. Uh, you might see an ad for a movie uh, on the front page of Yahoo today. What we would do is, and very often their goal is to say, here's the movie, here's when it opens, because mm-hmm. they want a big opening weekend. So it's not about how many people clicked on the ad, it's more about the people know the movie's coming out this weekend. So what we would do is we would do a survey of people, uh, and we would see if the ads, being, if people's exposure to the ads was making them more aware of the movie, and if they could specifically say when it was coming out, and if they had an intention to go. So that's and when do, you, when do you report this back to, to your client? I mean, how quickly do you process this information? If you were looking at a release for this weekend, would you be reporting back to the studio on, on Friday or on Monday and saying, well, this, you know, good news, this, this worked, they, were, they heard of it? There's different timelines for different clients, but, you know, the reality is people want to know stuff sooner rather than later. We have an online interface where people can see data right away. And then if they want to report, that takes longer. So what, what gets you most excited about the business that you're in? Have you been with Dynamic Logic for, for the whole six years? The whole six years. I mean, looking, uh, looking back over, over that time and, you know, what was interesting back in 1999 and, and what gets you most excited about your business today? Well, you know, what's always been exciting about it is you're helping define the future of advertising and, you know, there was a period in 99 when everybody was running online and then everybody sort of ran away. And That's for those, true. For those of us who stuck with it, um, you know, it's, it's starting to be an exciting time again where there's a lot of momentum. So defining the future is, is fun. And I also think what's exciting today versus before is it's getting to a 
such a critical mass now where so many, it's no longer should you be online, it's how much. And the, the question is, how are we going to engage consumers online in a way that doesn't scare them away? That's Talk a little bit about that. I mean, engagement that... is certainly a big term that I hear a lot about in writing about television, and certainly advertisers are looking for ways to measure engagement. Court TV is working with Starcom, and, and it's promised that viewers will be engaged. How do you measure something like that in the online space, something like engagement? How do you get your arms around that? Well, engagement is sort of the new buzz term, and accountability has been also a buzz term that I'd say those are the two most important buzzwords in the industry right now, engagement and accountability. Engagement is, is about whether you engage the consumer uh, either attitudinally, meaning in the brand, which is what I just ran you through as an exercise. You know, are you engaged with Lexus? And some levels you are because it's top of your luxury sedan list. Yeah, I mean, what, what, um, what, what makes you make viewer engaged? How, how do you determine? I mean, how would you say that, I mean, am I engaged with Lexus because I know what it is, or am I engaged with Lexus if uh, I'm actively interested in buying one? Well, clearly, you know, you're going to be in market perhaps at some point, and the, Lexus wants to be top of mind. You're engaged in that you know about them versus other brands that you didn't mention. Uh, but engagement goes beyond just brand awareness. you gotta, you got to know what their message is. you got to know what their value is. You, you have certain words that you associate with them. you got to think about them in a certain way. It's like you're mentally engaged. At a later point, when you're in market, you're going to become perhaps physically engaged, and that's where behavior metrics come into play. So you Can might you measure that as well? You might go to the site, you might do a test drive, and then you might buy. But the point is engagement is both attitudes and behavior. Nick, what do you see, I mean, as we talked about, you've been in this for six years, you've seen all of the, the bumps and warts in, in the online advertising industry, and certainly that we're at a point right now where um, there's a degree of headiness with it. I mean, there's a, a, lots of money coming into online advertising. It's certainly considered to be an accountable medium. That being said, what are some of the challenges now? I mean, is it, is it a matter of inventory? I mean, wh what are the issues confronting online advertising? I think the biggest issue facing online advertising is we're scaring the consumer away. What do you what mean, I mean by that? What I mean by that is there, it sort of feels like there's an arms race developing with consumers where they get excited about technology, they start using it, advertisers start jumping in, some unscrupulous people start bombarding people with advertising to sort of make short-term money, it ends up scaring consumers away. They end up buying technology to block advertising. So what are you talking about? Are you talking engagement. about pop-up ads? Is that what you it's, mean? It's, or? It's, it's everything from spam to pop-ups to spyware. But now we're seeing that part of the Internet ecosystem, which is cookies, is mm -hmm. being lumped into all that, and consumers are very... Uh, concerned because they think cookies do things like slow down their machines and take over their browser, and of course cookies don't do those things. But are, are consumers are scared. Consumers are scared of identity Can they be both? What's that? Are, are cookies a consumer's friend, an advertiser's friend, or both? They're both. But the problem is the loudest voices on cookies has been the negative, and the, the industry has not done a good job of educating consumers. And I would say to everybody who's listening. If you're interested in the cookie debate and how it relates to spyware and consumer attitudes, go to safecount.org, that's S-A-F-E-C-O-U-N-T.org. We have a coalition of people trying to educate consumers about this because the Internet ecosystem relies on cookies 
especially if you're not one of the top four websites. If you're other, if you're a site other than Yahoo, Google, MSN, AOL, you need cookies to bring advertisers to your site so that advertisers can measure across multiple sites. First-party cookies alone will benefit the biggest sites, but won't help. Uh, the third-party cookies are what are needed for all the other sites to get a piece of the pie. So what's the, what's the message that you would want to get out to consumers? I mean, as, as you go about your daily life on the weekends, as you're talking to friends and people ask you what you do, I mean, they want I mean, your expertise. What would you say to a buddy, a friend, somebody you meet about cookies? Well, first of all, I would say cookies are not spyware. They do not slow down your computer. They do not take over your machine. They do not steal your identity. A lot of people don't know that. And secondly, I would say you can turn off your cookies now in your browser, and you can do that and go check out the web and see what it's like without cookies. It's actually fairly clunky. In fact, you might actually get more advertising thrown at you without cookies rather what? than flat. Why is that? Why is that? Because without cookies, there's no way to determine how many times an ad was delivered to you, wow. and ad servers rely on those to control frequency. So what, what is the, talk to us about the next, the next few years. I mean, you're looking into, we're close to 2006 and 2007. There's been all this excitement and buzz about online advertising. It's finally coming into its own. What do you see happening in the next uh, year or two in this area? Well, um, I see, just to parlay the last point, I see increasing um, uh, attention paid to the value of data collection, which is, goes part and parcel with accountability and engagement, but yet at the same time, the counteracting force, which is consumers afraid of data collection because of identity theft and things they hear. So the industry is going to have to address that in sort of a major way with education to consumers about how this stuff works and what's the value exchange between the systems we use for data collection and how the Internet is supported, basically explaining the ecosystem a little. That's a major trend I think is going to happen over the next couple of years. The other thing who, who is, will lead that? Who needs to communicate that to consumers? I think the publishers need to do it because the brands, the consumer trusts the brands of the publishers that they use. So it's from CNN yeah. to Yahoo to even little blogs. Anybody who uses cookies and for any purpose needs to tell consumers these are not spyware. Um, but the, on the technical front, and I think brand advertisers are going to continue to throw more money online provided that it's measurable, that's what's exciting about it. I'm glad you brought up the measurable point because that goes back to what we've been talking about, the buzzwords with accountability. And as I mentioned in, in my conversation with, with Diane, I mean, the, the Association of National Advertisers is focusing its, its message at its upcoming conference on accountability. Is online accountable? It is as long as things like cookies are not destroyed in the process. Um, so we're all for it, cookies. That's the, that's the takeaway message here. Well, yeah, and I don't mean to hammer it home too hard, but it's fundamental that we need to protect the ecosystem that got us here, and we're just starting to get to an exciting point. Now, one of the things that's exciting to people is search, but uh, you know, search is wonderful, and search has obviously grown and brought in a lot of mid-level advertisers beyond the big brands. But we still have a long way to go with the traditional advertisers and TV budgets and things like that. So I think the accountability piece is going to have to be not only explained from an advertiser point of view, but from a consumer point of view. We're going to wrap things up, and I have one final question for you. What is the hottest new thing? Answer that however you want. I think the, the hottest new thing is just mobile computing that's IP-based. So it's basically bringing the computer to a mobile device 
using your, IP technology. To your phone, or, or, or do you, or do you mean to? It could be to... any device. You know, the phone, the iPod, the, the Palm, they're all merging, and they're going to be IP-based and broadband-based, and so our computers are going to be with us wherever we go. And we'll have to figure out how advertising will work. Well, that's the thing is that if consumers are using those devices to avoid advertisers, advertisers are going to have to figure out a way to basically explain the value of what they're doing. Even though consumers don't necessarily like advertising, they understand that content, the free content is supported by advertisers, and that needs to be explained. And on that note, we're going to wrap up for today. We're out of town and out of time. Sorry, I want to thank you for joining us, Nick. I want to thank all of our guests and our producers for making this possible. We hope you'll all join us for another edition of AdTech Connect on Webmaster Radio FM next week. Thanks a lot. Take care.